So earlier this year, I spoke to poet Michelle Leggett about her latest collection, yes, um, but mainly, actually, about the treatment she received uh, for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, it was a great interview, and you can listen to it online. Anyway, she told me she had chemotherapy, she had radiotherapy, she had a stem cell transplant, all failed. And early last year, she was able to take part in a a therapy trial run by the Maligan Institute, a phase one trial. The therapy is CAR T-cell. It's revolutionized cancer treatment. Chimeric antigen receptor, or CAR T-cell therapy. T-cells, the defenders, are taken from a patient genetically altered to target cancerous cells and reinfused into the patient. Carl June invented CAR T-cell therapy at the University of Pennsylvania. He is professor in immunotherapy there. He's recently been awarded a breakthrough prize in life sciences for his work. He joined me, as did Dr. Robert Weincove, a haematologist and clinical director at the Maligan Institute of Medical Research. He leads his lab's CAR T-cell program. And Dr. Weincove told me the results just in from the Phase 1 CAR T-cell trial. So this was a Phase 1 trial. We call it ENABLE, as the acronym we use to describe the trial. And we treated 21 patients in this dose escalation part of the trial with this new CAR T-cell therapy. Dose escalation? Dose escalation means that it's mainly a safety trial, and we started off at a very, very low dose of cells, so just 50,000 cells per kilogram. Uh, so just a few million cells for each of the first few patients. And then uh, we gradually increased the dose of the CAR T-cell treatment. And we were really watching for any severe um, side effects that might lead us to have to limit the dose or to stop using this CAR T-cell treatment. Uh, what we found is that we didn't find any of those side effects that led us to have to stop the dose uh, escalation. And we, we got up to the final intending dose, intended dose. And I guess primarily this is a safety trial and what we were particularly pleased at from a safety perspective is we didn't see any of some of the most severe side effects that can affect people getting CAR T-cell treatment. We didn't have any any severe um, uh, rate of um, what's called cytokine release syndrome, which is a like fever type syndrome, a bit like sepsis. And we didn't have any, and particularly we didn't have any neurotoxicity, which is a kind of complication with CAR T-cell treatment where people can develop confusion or word-finding difficulties. And if it becomes severe, people can sometimes uh, develop more severe problems like swelling of the brain or, or seizures or, or even become comatose. So we didn't have any of those types of problems. And we were uh, impressed to see that, particularly with the particular way we designed the CAR T-cell treatment, uh, one, one of the most similar CAR T-cell therapies to the one we've used has around a 50% risk of this neurotoxicity um, we also had some results that we're you know, very pleased with so far. The aim of this phase one trial is not primarily to detect how effective it is, but we did have just over half of patients having a complete response, which is comparable to other um, CAR T-cell therapies. When you say complete response, you mean a complete remission? Complete remission at a three-month time point after we've given the CAR T-cell. That's right. right. Yeah. So you're, you're tentative about the, the, the cancer-curing capabilities of this? Uh, certainly some patients that took part in our trial have been two or three years out and remain in remission, which is really fantastic. I have to be clear that the, those phase one trials, they're designed to assess the safety of the right. product. Um, but we would have expected to see an efficacy or, or an effectiveness signal, and we did see that. And uh, we'd usually then use a phase two trial or a later phase trial to actually show that effectiveness in a larger group of patients and get more of an idea about whether it's holding out to be as effective or, or you know, more or less effective than existing products. What do you make of these results, Professor June? They sound promising, yes? Oh, yeah, very much. Um, yeah, and these are, I mean, patients that, that you know, Dr. Weinkove put on this trial are literally at death's door. What you just described on that patient's previous treatment, I mean, there is nothing else. And you know, available. So um, this is really a striking result. Let me ask you both this question. All the patients on this phase one trial were 
this was a last resort for them. So they, they'd been through chemo, they'd been through radio, maybe they'd had some cell treatment. Does all that um, diminish their ability to respond? In other words, would CAR T cell treatment be much more effective had they never had all that other stuff to begin with? What a great question. I'll speak to from, from our trial perspective and then, and then I'll might let Carl comment. So from our trial perspective, that's, that's right. So one of the inclusion criteria for this trial is that people had to have exhausted um, available curative therapies. So that was put in place for this first phase one, or so first in human, really, safety trial of this new CAR T-cell product. You didn't know whether it was safe, so obviously correct. people had nothing to lose. Correct, correct. So, for example, for later phase trials, we, we hope to move a bit earlier in, in treatment. Um, so, so that's absolutely right about the, 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 the population that we're treating. I think there's, there's two elements to that. One of them is for some people, it can be harder to make the CAR T cells because their prior treatment means that they don't have as many immune cells in the blood because they've had a lot of chemotherapy before. It can be harder to get enough of those. Um, whether or not it affects the response to treatment is an interesting question. Certainly their immune system fitness is often lower after multiple lines of chemotherapy. But the nice thing about CAR T cell therapy is it works in a, a fundamentally different way to the other types of treatment those patients have received. And and. Carl's lab has done lots of great work on this, so he'll have more to comment from the perspective of larger studies conducted overseas with other CAR T cell Yeah, what do you know, Professor June? Do you know studies where CAR T cell therapy has been used in the first instance as a treatment? Well, so what, you know, Dr. Weinkoff was very careful and they've been conservative to do, as you outlined, I mean, starting with people who have no other options. That's, that's you know, the ethical way to do it initially and. um you know, in, in what we think on clinical trial designs. And then it's, you know, standard practice of medicine is, as you are, you know, uh, suggesting is to move it earlier line. And um, that is starting to happen now. Uh, there are trials uh, in the U.S. where it's given instead of at the end after four or five therapies on the second therapy. And even in, and in pediatrics um, where leukemia Happen, it's the most common cancer in children. Uh, there are trials now testing as first line. You know, uh, so I think exactly this, the, um, from all we know from the science of how these work, that it will work better up front than at, at the end of a lot of, you know, as you mentioned, stem cell transplants or chemotherapy. And, and a lot of those treatments are debilitating in the extreme, right? So you would think that people would be better off going for CAR T-cell therapy in the first instance if it were to be successful. Oh, oh, very much so. And, you know, so the, you know, but we have to go through the standard of uh, medicine, you know, which is this kind of like climbing up a ladder to get to the earlier stages. About half the people with lymphoma that Dr. Weinkopf treated would be cured with chemotherapy. And, you know, and it usually lasts about six months. Um, and, you know, I'd rather not go through chemotherapy if I had a choice. But right now, that is a standard. Care. And then the other half end up, you know, usually um, succumbing to the disease, or, you know, after many other therapies. So right now, I think the next, I mean, what the plans would be to, are to, you know, go into a trial that has enough people into it to actually show how many people get complete remissions, you know, statistically, because right now there's not enough to have a good handle on that. And Dr. Wankov, your phase two trial, how far are you advanced on that? Well, we're making a series of plans. So actually, even though we're presenting data at this meeting uh, in, in December on the phase one dose escalation, we're actually currently still enrolling. We're still doing uh, what's called a dose expansion cohort. And the reason for that is, is several fold. One of them is to get us even more information about how well this therapy works. The other one is as we, we, we need to work on automating the manufacturing process. So for most of the trial that we've talking about so far, we made the CAR T cells in a very manual way. And that's great. That was great as a way to start off. But it doesn't scale. CAR T yeah, it doesn't really? scale. It, yeah, yeah, when you of, say manual, you mean well, literally, what, what is done? Uh, literally about 42 
um, person hours in a clean room environment with pipetting and uh, moving cells around, adding various components. And that's quite a highly specialised area. You need these very specialised clean rooms because everything has to be done in the most sterile and protected conditions. We've now moved most of that process into a a single um, enclosed cartridge device, and that's uh, the way we're manufacturing the CAR T-cells and treating patients now. And as we go through that, we're we're trying to show that those cells work and expand just as well inside the patients. We're really happy with how that's been going so far. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of regulatory approval needed for each of these steps as we do this. And that's a key point of us being able to scale up to manufacture on a large enough scale for a phase two study, and also for us to then be prepared if this trial is, uh, the phase two trial is wildly successful to to routinely deliver this therapy to a much larger number of people. So we are still undergoing treatments now. So it's not that the trial program has stopped while we're waiting for this. The phase two trial, we're currently planning and, and looking at trial designs uh, internally and with regulatory agencies, because what we really want to do is try and des- design a phase two trial uh, that could lead into routine delivery of the treatment. So you want to countries. make it faster and more accessible and cheaper? Absolutely. So it has to be something that scales. It has to be something that scales. There's always a downside to this being a personalised therapy. It makes it a bit harder than simply getting a a drug out from the fridge in the pharmacy. But uh, we think we can make this much, much more deliverable. And um, in in a way, we're already doing a lot of these kind of therapies. We're giving blood transfusions. We're giving um, autologous bone marrow transplants. We're already doing this in this country and overseas, we think we can make CAR T-cell therapy at least as easy to deliver as many of those other types of treatments. This automated manufacture of it, Professor June, you're obviously Mm -hmm. uh, excited about this because you are on the board of directors of the the joint venture between the Maligan Institute and uh, a, a U.S., investment company is this being done elsewhere in the world are we doing something particular in in the automation here well this is the you know kim the um uh the issue is exactly what dr Weinkopf said is, is scaling it's a complex therapy and many all technologies when they start usually um if, you know from cell phones to computers they go through stages of uh, where they become cheaper and easier to manufacture. So in the case of, there's actually a very nice analogy of the car T-cells to automobiles. And, you know, they, those were first made uh, by hand on, uh, on you know, assembly lines. And, you know, that's how they started over a century ago. And then now over 80% of an automobile that you buy is put together by robots. And the same thing is happening with these CAR T cells, as Dr. Weinkov, you know, uh, mentioned. It's it's now going to an automated process that doesn't require, um, you know, highly trained people to manufacture them. And is this being done elsewhere in the world, or have we got some kind of edge on this here? Well, it, it's the central issue in this field. I can tell you, I can tell you, it's ongoing in Europe, in the U.S., Japan. Everyone needs to have this happen. It's basically an emergency because uh, there's large waiting lines for people to get treated now. And, you know, this so this is now an engineering problem, just just like it was for the automobile and the, and the computer industries. Um, and, and so New Zealand, what what they are working with is right at state of the art on doing this and. Um, you know, so that's that's the real next stage. Can I ask you, you're, you know, Mr. Car T-cell immunotherapy. Are you, how many countries, how many businesses are you involved with? How many people want you on their team? <laughs> well, I'm a popular guy that you way. Um, it's It's really been, you know, I started this off our first infusion in patients was in 2010 and we never thought it would become anything other than a scientific curiosity but you know the first patient we treated is now 13 years later and he's cured and and so then you know i mean that's a word that we have been trained never to use in the same sentence as cancer we waited 10 years to say it and uh um, we were very cautious about it but and and many of the patients now 
that that we treated so we have a longer look back time like the ones that dr Weinkov mentioned that have lymphoma many of them are cured we i mean we know that they still uh, have aging but the lymphoma has not come back and that's that's just it, it, it gives you chills to think about that because we just as you said we never said the cure word with cancer the c word so it works in blood cancers lymphoma Mm-hmm. Why does it work on blood cancers, but the jury is still out on other sorts of cancers? So that's um, the big scientific challenge. What we know is, you know, bone marrow transplants can work on almost all blood cancers. And what we're doing here is really what di- the CAR T cells that Dr. Weinkov has made or is really souping up the immune system but then you don't have to have a bone marrow transplant. And so, you know, it's, it's using your own cells. And, um, and and it's an outpatient therapy, what, what they have done. That's really quite remarkable. I think um, in solid tumors, um, there are hints now that this is starting to work. And that's the main, many laboratories are working on this. Um, it, that, uh, you know, because of out of when you look at the total picture, about 10 percent of all cancer is blood cancer. And, you know, the, the rest is, uh, you know, the common things like breast and lung cancer. And so there's lots of progress there. And uh, but that's still, you know, on the horizon. We don't yet know if we're going to ever be able to say the C word in solid cancers. That's that's what a lot of people are working on. And that's because they are less accessible. Well, you got it. That's the name. So blood cancers, you know, our T cells that we infuse normally go right into the bone marrow and to the lymph nodes, which is where those cancers hide out. Uh, Solid cancers can be in the brain. They can be, you know, in some in your liver or whatever. And the immune system needs to be trained to do that. It's not normally the first job of the immune system. So but there's the good thing is there's lots of. Um, progress in mice at this point, you know, so the research is making progress, but it's, you know, it's still early stages in human trials. So when the T-cells are genetically altered to target cancerous cells, do they have to be genetically altered differently for every particular cancer? Well, I, that, that seems like to be the truth. Each cancer has uh, its own uh, Achilles heel, if you will. We, um, you know, so the optimal way that, that the data we have right now from many experiments is that the optimal therapy for a brain cancer is different in in some of the details. For instance, for pancreatic cancer, they're both very lethal, uh, and the platform of of using an engineered cell for your immune system can be, you know, fine-tuned. So in one case, it works better for brain cancer and the other, in this instance, pancreatic cancer. So, but that's a nice thing about this. It's a platform where we we can do that. I mean, and what what's all the rage right now is, is that it's been found uh, in early stage trials now that you can also use this kind of therapy with CAR T cells to treat autoimmune disease, you know, where your immune system's gone haywire and, you know, causing things like arthritis or lupus and CAR T cells appear to be in, in many of these patients able to, you know, to overcome that. So what do they so do then? What do they, what do they attack in the case of they, autoimmune diseases? It, it right now there are trials for lupus and there the they're attacking uh, uh, the B cells which make um, antibodies that target your own organs. There are trials in uh, for diseases like myasthenia gravis, which is more in the muscles and nervous system. Um, and there they're targeting a cell called a plasma cell. So, so this is all very exciting. There are about 20 trials now in the world, the early stage phase one, testing this kind of technology. So, and you know, so in fact, there's a, a government, I mean, a, a website or you know where you can look in clinicaltrials.gov, and there's now over a thousand phase one trials 
for CAR T cells. Wow. So it's really, it's, it's, it's been, it's, you know, moved out to many different kinds of therapies. Blood cancer is leading the way. Right. Congratulations, by the way, on your breakthrough prize. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm sure it's only the latest of a whole mantelpiece of prizes that you've won in your career. Um, well, Dr. You. Weinkov, for the phase two trial, are you once again looking at people who this is a last resort for them who've been through the mill? So it's a great question. So um, and just to, to double down on, on, on Carl's congratulations. And I have to say, it's very exciting for me individually, personally, to be having an interview like this, speaking with him, which is a, so exciting. So so um, I anticipate that for the phase two trial, we will move earlier in treatment. We wouldn't do this as a very first line of treatment for certain lymphomas, but I... You wouldn't or you can't? We wouldn't. I think, well, because... Uh, over half of people will have a complete response. But what I think we can do is I think we can cleverly use this, our trial data, but also data from other CAR T-cell studies to um, justify treating patients early if their lymphoma looks like it's not responding. So rather than make people go through six cycles of a chemotherapy and then several cycles of a second-line chemotherapy and then a bone marrow transplant and then say it's failed, I think we could probably justify... Um, saying that if the first line of treatment has failed, so no response at all, or the lymphoma starts growing through it, or it progresses within the first 12 months of completing first-line treatment, I think we could likely say that going on to a CAR T-cell treatment with this safety profile would, might be justified. Just to say that the details of that actually have to be scrutinised in great detail by an ethics committee sure. uh, and by other committees before we could actually get that across the line and make sure of that. But I, I, I think that that would be justified based on the data we've got so far and based on other CAR T-cell therapies. So I'd like to think we would be able to treat some people much earlier. Uh, and I would say that uh, on a personal level, also from from a, a, a survey, sort of a qualitative study of, of patients that's currently under review with the journal, uh, the, the universal comment has been that they've found the CAR T-cell treatment much easier to go through with than some of the more intensive second-line chemos that they've had. So, so I think, I think it, it does have that prospect of being a better tolerated treatment for many patients. I'm talking to Dr. Robert Weinkove, who's a hematologist, clinical director of the Maligan Institute, and Professor Carl June, who is the inventor of CAR T-cell therapy, uh, which the Maligan Institute and uh, Dr. Weinkove are working on here. Um, in terms of the New Zealand position on genetic modification, uh, we don't like it. Has that complicated your work, Dr. Weinkove? Partly, but not as much as, as you might think. So the, the, the GMO legislation was not really written with healthcare in mind. It was written in relation to GMO right. plants and organisms. And Otherwise, there'd be no diabetes treatment. Right, right. Um, the, 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 the CAR T cells, although there's a genetic modification, they're not actually an organism And that if you spilt the CAR T cells on the ground, they couldn't grow. They, they, they're, they're not an organism in their own right. And the only place that they can survive is within the intended recipient. And in fact, the recipient in New Zealand law is not a GMO uh, because humans can't be a GMO in New Zealand law. They don't fit the definition. So there's some curiosities of the way the GMO legislation is, 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 is written. Um, we did have to go through a number of um, separate regulatory processes. So something called a Gene Technology Advisory Committee had to look really carefully at the trial and what we were planning and all the various safety measures. They came back to us with advice. We put in those some additional changes. We also, of course, look very closely at international rule sets, which often differ again. And we, we, we defer really to the most conservative of those. Um, and then uh, the, the Environmental Protection Authority were actually also involved in um, our transit of the cells from the lab where they're made uh, to the hospital site where the patients are treated. So we did have some peculiarities of it. I believe that the, the, some of the New Zealand legislation is under review, and so that might change in the future. Um, Will you be representing uh, we, we have the already, argument for change? We, we, we put in, but because actually... Um, you're not actually changing the patient's germline. So so it's it's not like the a person who's received CAR T cell therapy, they can't spread that on to other patients. It's it's a modification of some immune system cells. And the other thing to say is that all the time when our immune systems are mounting a new immune response to a new 
disease. Like we're, when we're mounting a new immune response to flu or, or, or COVID, part of that natural immune response is a genetic rearrangement that happens inside your T cells. So these, these, some of these rearrangements are happening all the time as part of our normal immune generation. So it's a little bit difficult, different from the scenario of a GMO and creating a new organism that could self-sustain itself. That isn't a risk here, but it is something that's scrutinised carefully by our regulators. Um, Dr. June, I've been reading about your work on a universal treatment approach, uh, a universal CAR T-cell therapy. Can you explain that to me? I don't quite understand it. Sure. At this point, um, Kim, you know, the cells are made from your own blood. So, uh, and that takes, you know, a week or two and sometimes shorter uh, in in a laboratory. Um, But it's also possible to, you know, for instance, there are, when babies are born, the cord, the umbilical cord, can, can, you know, contains um, T cells in there that can be turned into CAR cells, for instance. And there are other ways. Uh, and for instance, using, like as is done in bone marrow transplants, using a donor. Um, if you have an identical twin, then you can use those person that person's T cells without any modifications, other than as you would normally do it if you have a. The identical twin and um but now that you know that's not very common now what there are is technologies such as like crispers which are you know molecular scissors you can uh, change some of the dna in there so that you can make it so that the cells can uh, even though they came from someone else they can work in you so that's um instead of being your own t-cells and that would be an advance because it would make it quicker and easier to produce. Yes. And so, and it's more like standard pharma, you know, the pharmaceutical industry where they make at central manufacturing plants, they make, you know, a lot of drug at one time that's used, you know, for many people right now, what we call the way the CAR T cells that Dr. Weinkov's tested and what are, you know, what we've been using and, and that we know work, they're called N of one, meaning every single one is made, you know, in a bespoke, customized way. And then it has to be approved, for, you know, after the manufacturing, in the case in the U.S., by the U.S. FDA. And so this would make it a lot less, I don't know, bureaucratic, I suppose, is one way of looking at it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Both logistics get vastly sim- you know, simplified. And the cost goes down much by, because of the scaling. So, um, but so far they haven't worked as well as when we use our own patient cells. There are immunotherapy drugs. Why is CAR T cell therapy working if immunotherapy drugs don't? Is it because people have been through all that chemo and radio don't? don't have the wherewithal to take advantage of those drugs? Well, there's an emerging, you know, what's come together with the new technologies like CRISPR and what we do to make CAR T cells, we're actually, it's called synthetic biology, a field of making something better, in this case, the immune system, more potent in a way than than what it started. So with genetic engineering, you can do that. And, you know, we were talking about for instance, genetically engineered tomatoes that that stay on the shelf longer. So the idea is the CAR T cells are made more potent via several of the things we do in a laboratory than the natural immune system we have. So that's why they work better than, as you mentioned, than than you know many other immune therapies. You started working on this in 1999, as I understand it. It took a long time probably not a long time in terms of medical research, but it seems uh, a, a long time to figure out. 2010, I think, you said you had your first success. What yeah. made you think that this was a road worth taking? Um, well, I've seen, you know, I started off as Dr. Weinkopf did, you know, clinically as a hematologist training in bone marrow transplantations. And that's back in the 1980s when I did that. We it was done usually using um, um, some someone would get a leukemia, and then you would identify 
uh, a sibling, a brother or sister that had a match. And then we would take the stem cells and the T cells from that person and use them for the bone marrow transplant after a lot of chemotherapy to the patient who uh, had the, the blood cancer. And sometimes that causes a reaction when the T cells go in, they start reacting against the patient and it's called graft versus host disease. And it's, it's caused by the incoming T cells and it, it can be more lethal than leukemia. I had, when, in the 1980s, I saw people die within three weeks and it's all caused by T cells gone berserk. It's amazing. So that showed me the power of what T cells can do. I mean, it's, they are amazing <laughs> when they are fully activated. And that's what, you know, what, what we've learned to do with, over the years is to use your own T cells and then where they won't cause graphers, you know, host disease is tissue destruction, yet they can still have very potent effects in a, in a very precise way on the tumor that we're targeting. And so that convinced you that they were a potential cure. Oh, yeah. I, I saw um, it. <laughs> we had no way we could shut those cells off back then. What if they really got into a bad this thing of the graft versus host disease? It was, and that's fine. not possible with the with the bespoke CAR T cells. No, right, that's the beauty of them because they come out of your own body, right. and they've already been trained to not attack your body. Which is one of the problems you're going to have to overcome if you're looking for a universal CAR T cell therapy. Right? Well, that's that's you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly the issue. Mm. The question is, and I'll ask you, Dr. Wineco, first, why doesn't everybody get cured with CAR T-cell therapy? That's, I suppose, the, the million-dollar question for you guys, is it? Oh, look, what a, what a great question. And we, we you know, uh, we and others try to look at it. I think there's a number of different things that can happen. So there's some things that we know know can happen. One one thing sometimes is the, the, the CAR T-cells just, don't expand very well from one person or another. And maybe it's that their immune cell fitness is not that great. And that could be from prior chemotherapies, right. as you said. Yeah. A another possibility is that the, the, the tumor can come back and no longer express the marker on the surface that the CAR T cells recognize. It's changed itself. So it can evolve to become uh, resistant. But pro probably the most common in lymphomas is is not well described and it's probably some combination of the CAR T cells becoming exhausted um, and the tumour mounting some intrinsic resistance to that and I think that's a, that's a really important area uh, of research that many people are working on. There's, there's, there are some known ways to over, overcome that in part by targeting other markers on the tumour. There are, there are ways people are trying to combine um, some of the immunotherapies you talked about earlier with CAR T cell therapies and We'd like to do some research work around that too. We can't do everything all at once, but I think it's a huge area and, and Carl will be uh, much more acutely aware of this than I as someone who's at the cutting edge of this. Himself. Yeah, what's your take on it, Professor June? Why doesn't CAR T-cell therapy work on everyone? Well, well, you know, we're not all a bunch of inbred mice where it does work on every single, you know, in a mouse experiment. Um, so in it, and it's a spectrum. Like uh, for the many reasons uh, that Dr. Weinkov mentioned, for, our best example is in uh, leukemia, um, a certain kind of leukemia. Um, we have a ninety percent complete remission rate, which is unheard of, really, for um, you know a cancer, advanced cancer. And why? So, why do you think that form of cancer is? Um, so vulnerable to the CAR T cell. Yeah, so it's not that it's a wimpy cancer. <laughs> this that kind of leukemia can kill you in weeks, and and it turns out that the some tumors like basically win the game by just proliferating really rapidly. Others do it by hiding from the immune system, and that's what Dr. Weinkov was saying. Some of the lymphoma patients they, they make it hard for the the CAR T cells to actually get into there and do the job of killing the tumor cells. In leukemia, it's just dividing, you know, very rapidly, but it, it doesn't bother to put up a defense. And so they're sitting ducks. If our CAR T cells can get there, they work, you know, nine out of 10 times. So 
lymphoma right now it's about 50 percent is what you know um as dr weinkoff said and w which is compared to zero you know <laughs> basically which is you know the once all therapies have failed so so we have a way to go we'd like to get it to 100 percent and and i think over time there's going to be a you know one way to do that classically in oncology is to combine one therapy with another you know that's classic of what's done with chemotherapy and hopefully we'll find ways to combine with the car t cells so that everyone benefits and not in the case of lymphoma you know half of them yeah i gotta say i mean i think um this is where we have a real opportunity. So with this automated manufacturing, we actually make can make our own small batches of the, the virus that we use for the gene modification. We've got a real opportunity here to build a platform uh, that we can take beyond just this CAR T-cell product. So obviously our initial focus now is how we take this forward and getting onto a phase two trial. But I'd really love to build this into a platform where we can actually iterate and find ways of overcoming that resistance and find alternatives so that we can we can contribute to that really global effort and work with some of our international collaborators on uh, both overcoming resistance in lymphoma to CAR T cell treatment but also uh, perhaps in future looking at solid cancers so I think all of the technologies that we're building and working on the way that we've modified the the CAR T cell domain the automation they should be applicable to other CAR T cell treatments soon so I think we have a, a real opportunity uh, here in New Zealand to do some fantastic work on that and, and, and some cutting edge work on that and contribute to that global effort. Yeah. Professor June, do you think in the future chemotherapy and radiotherapy will be seen as very, very primitive tools, primitive weapons against cancer? Well, you know, I would, I hope that can happen. I think right now it's, it's, for some cancers, it's all we have, and it's not precise. There's solid, I mean, very many side effects is well known to anyone who's seen someone taking chemotherapy. Oh, terrible side effects. That's why, I mean, they seem like yeah. such a blunt instrument, but I don't wish yeah. to demean them because, as you say, with many people, it's all there is. So we, the goal is to, that we have less toxic and more effective therapies, and the immune system is really well poised. Uh, to do that um but you know we have to you know the public has to understand that this research like in my case it took place over the span of a couple of decades so we're seeing radically i mean amazing pace of new advancements and so on but we're going to have chemotherapy in the fu foreseeable future yeah and i think we will we're already seeing that we can we we're going to get better at getting people to the right treatment sooner uh, and so that might mean that for some people that right treatment is still going to be chemotherapy. But for other people, we might be able to recognize earlier on, maybe before treatment or maybe soon after starting it, if things aren't going the right way, that it's time to change tack and to and to modify the treatment. So yeah, we are already seeing that in a lot of the lymphoma and leukemia trials that are being run. And I'm sure that's there in solid cancer trials, but I don't tend to treat those in my hematology job. You know, what we haven't talked about really is that... Um you know, these CAR T cells can be a living medicine. You know, they actually stay in the patient and then can be there on guard or on patrol, you know, to prevent recurrence. So it's, ah. it's not, for instance, a chemotherapy. It's like an insurance policy. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I think we're going to see a lot of use like that um, as, as it gets, as, for instance, the manufacturing issues that we talked about get ironed out. It's, it's, the ability to install in, in, in a way it's like a vaccine then and can protect you uh you know for many years so that's that's an exciting aspect about this that, that it's a one-time therapy but it has you know they can live in in you for in the case of our first patient he still has car t-cells 13 years later and so you could actually evolve a cancer vaccine for people who didn't have cancer? I think that's going to happen. Uh, we have trials testing that here. Early state, you know, like women who have are susceptible to familial history of the BRCA gene with right. ovarian and breast cancer. There, there are now immune approaches being tested to see if, if that might work rather than having, um, you know, surgery. Yeah, and look, can, can I just mention, I obviously agree with all that, and I, 
we've had a lot of um, support at the Malagan Institute from our donors. Um, and I think it wouldn't have been possible to get this far with this program without the support of some of our funders, the Health Research Council, um, MB, um, Freemasons New Zealand, Leukemia and Blood Cancer New Zealand, the Thompson Family Foundation. So it's been, this is a fantastic example of how we can take things forward. And I also just want to thank the amazing team of researchers that work with us on this. So we've got a great team in our GMP manufacturing suite have been making the CAR T cells, a great clinical team. Uh, this is this is really, it's really exciting to be able to do this, what I, I think is internationally cutting edge research on a new generation CAR T cell therapy right here in New Zealand. And I, I really hope we can keep taking this forward with our, with our new health system, because I think this is something that lets us really make a difference to to patients and really move the move the dial and change things up. And that was Dr. Robert Winecove, who leads the Maligan Institute's CAR T cell therapy program, immunotherapy program, and Professor Carl June was also talking there. He invented CAR T cell immunotherapy. He's at the University of Pennsylvania. I mentioned Michelle Leggett, a New Zealand poet, of course, who was the nineteenth patient on that first cohort of 21 patients, the phase one trial of the CAR T-cell immunotherapy program. We spoke to her in April and the prognosis was good. So, of course, we had to invite her back to tell us how she is now. Kia ora, Michelle. Good morning. That was interesting, wasn't it? That was fascinating. We've been sitting here just listening so hard and we're going to have to go home and replay that You and interview. Mark. Hi, Mark. Yeah, Mark's here too. I the like team. That. Yep, the team is here. So last time we spoke, you had complete metabolic remission well, from your non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah, we, we actually technically have to call it complete metabolic response and I am in remission. Those are the terms of the, the research trial terms. Uh, they like to use the word response rather than the bigger term remission. But effectively, at the moment, I can say that I'm in remission. And yes. how, how are you feeling? Well, apart from a rotten cold, which I picked up four weeks ago. <laughs> four weeks? Oh, That's it's, a long cold. Oh, everybody's got them at the moment. Does it um, mean your immunity is low? Uh, it's lower than most people, but honestly, Mark's had it for five weeks, and he's got a. He's got strong. no excuse. No, no, no. <laughs> no, we poked our noses out uh, into, you know, went somewhere and um, picked up a bug, and like a lot of people, uh, it's just taking a long time to clear. But apart from that, next next week we're coming up for the twelve month review. So that means twelve months since the cells were reinfused. And as far as I'm concerned, apart from the horrible cold, I feel just fine. You know, I'm just, I feel well. And I have, I've felt that way since that amazing day in February at three months where they looked at me and said, that's, you know, you have it, you have the complete metabolic response. And that's the moment at which I could believe that it worked. And I've, I keep saying this, but I, I do wake up every morning and say, I'm I'm well. You know, I can I can proceed with with my life. I didn't. There was a time when I didn't think I would have a 2023, and now it looks as if I can look ahead to a 2024. Which I, I, things become very precious. Things snap into focus in a situation like this. Um, people who have undergone kind of, you know the been through the mill in any kind of way, it, your priorities become very distinct. And uh, in my case, I, I want to use the time that I've been given. When were you first diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? Uh, way back at the start, it was May, yes, May 2020. So That's the, right, Yeah, yeah. during so, COVID, basically. Yeah, yeah, COVID had crashed down on us, the first bit of the pandemic. And that was, they told us it was, it would be easy to deal with. Um, it was a big, it was a big tumour. And they said, this is, if you have to have cancer, they said, this is a good one. We can deal with it. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, it wasn't a good one. And, well, you know, we had to go on into one relapse, then another one. 
before the remarkable offer of Kati was put on the table. And uh, I, listening, listening to the two scientists is, is fascinating. And it also reminded me, uh, you know, there's a, a constant refrain that Kati, you know, for somebody like me, was last ditch. You know, you are at death's door. You have confronted mortality. But I have to say, even as we were investigating Kati, and for a long time I couldn't get on the trial because my blood counts weren't good enough, and we were investigating other therapies in Melbourne and Boston. And when we were doing that, one of the interesting things that came up in talking to the doctors at Peter McCallum Research Centre in Melbourne was that if CAR-T, for some, you know, if I couldn't get CAR-T for whatever reason, it might not be the end of the road. Um, they're running trials with drugs that do actually seem to be effective on last-ditch lymphoma patients. And the particular drug that... We, we just put news of this in our back pocket and thought, well, can't get on the trial, maybe couldn't get CAR-T. There was the possibility of a drug called glofitimab. I've had to learn a lot of polysyllabic uh, therapy names. Glofitimab always sounded to me like a bad fairy. <laughs> she, yeah. But actually, um, she's a very effective drug, new drug. The MAB part of that name means that it's a hunter drug, you know, a very sophisticated hunter drug. Mm. And there's, a, you know, there's a, a global research trial going on in Melbourne using that instead of CAR-T. I don't, I don't know much more about it than that, um, but it was at, at a point where you know, everything was last ditch, death's door, there was this little gleam of hope if, if all else failed, there would be another option. And I'm a terrible optimist. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I needed to know that there, the might way, be, yeah. there would be one more thing. We yeah, could yeah. I th- in the event, if we'd had to face it, uh, you know, we would have been exhausted, but we would have. I'm glad that, you know, in my case, we did not have to investigate. But I put it out there to say that as, as you know, listening to those two scientists, there is such amazing, revolutionizing research going on in this field in many different ways that, I don't know, don't give up if you're, if you're facing what looks like the last thing, it might not be. There might be something else. You would have been interested to hear Dr. Weinkove suggest that patients may not have to go through oh, all yes. of the chemo and radio yes, that you yes. had to go through before no. they arrive yeah. at the last oasis. Yeah. Now, that, that's the question that comes up again. I talked to some student nurses last week up at North Shore Hospital, and that was their first question. Can this be first-line treatment? And I said, look, I don't think so. But that's the objective, to get, you know, I mean, I was part of the toughest cohort. If they could save some of the 21, well, great. Um, but imagine if I'd been able to move to CAR-T at the end of 2020, when the first relapse occurred. Um, boy, my system would have been spared a fairly big bashing. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you know what they'll be testing when they assess you at your 12 month? Uh, we've just done some study blood, so that goes into the Maligan data. Will base. they be finding out whether you still have CAR T cells oh, in your yeah. system? And I should say that um, when Carl June was talking about the man who's still got CAR T in his system yeah. on patrol, um, we asked that of the Maligan people. They said, "No, no, no. That's that's a specific application." They said, "Our our therapy. We've designed it." so that the CAR-T is effective in your system. For the first three months, it does all the heavy lifting. That's why they do that assessment at three months to see whether the job is done. And then by eight or nine months, it's, been, it's, it's done its job and it's left your system. It's gone. So that's... I, w- I have to say I was quite comforted to hear that. This is a phase one trial. You know, yeah. it's, it's early days. I'm not... I mean... All power to the man who's still got them, <laughs> roaring around in his system on patrol. 
in my case, I'm very happy that the work's been done by this you know, revolutionary uh, therapy that's been developed right here. And I'm actually very pleased that they're not in my system anymore. Because? Uh, being a genetically altered organism is fine for eight or nine months, but to all intents and purposes, I'm clear of that cancer. And I just think if another cancer came or this one came back, I'm not sure that the, that, that the CAR-T that's been developed here in New Zealand would be efficacious. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be conservative here and say I'm glad, very glad to have had the therapy and actually fine that the little CAR-T cells are now out of my system. I feel like one of the ways that you've dealt with this horrendous time is to um, apply your natural curiosity oh, yeah. to this. To. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, it It's totally engrossing, and at the same time, it's physically and mentally just taking you to the outer limits of, of what you can what you can tolerate. And I don't I, I don't I mean there will be writing come out of this. I'm not sure what form it's going to take. Um, and it's something you that mean because you've already written some poetry out of oh, this. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. You mean poems. something quite different? There could be some. I don't know. I want to keep on thinking about it. Um, it's such an extraordinary experience. It's only now that we're on the other side of it that I'm really beginning to understand just how extraordinary it is that I've been able to survive. I think in for many. For much of the time, I didn't want to know or didn't understand how close I was to just being right. You know, that's it. End. End of line. Gone. Um, and I, I really want to think about that. And yeah, it's it's going to take a while. G- good things take a while, and I think this one I want to be very careful about. Um, in the meantime, I do, I'm very certain that I want to advocate for this therapy in, in as many places and to as many people as I can. So that it is uh, accessible in the health system. Yep. I want people to know about it and to know what's been developed here. And you know, for anybody out there who knows somebody with lymphoma or has lymphoma. They're not facing the wall. No, I want, I want people to know that it's, you know, go if you have it, ask your doctor, uh, you know, ask your haematologist whether the trial in Wellington is applicable to you. You know, it, it might or it might not. But the, the knowledge of CAR-T is not great out there. You know, it, uh, that, no. that will change. That well, will thanks change. for helping that change. Yeah. Michelle Leggett, congratulations once again. And you too, Mark, Michelle Leggett.